Hello and welcome to the reaction for Celtic 2, Kilmarnock 0 in the Scottish League Cup semi-final. We have made it to our 36th League Cup final. We are the number one team in Scotland until maybe tomorrow. If Rangers get through, we go back joint. But let's hope they don't. I'm your host, Graham McKay, and I'm joined by Colin Bell, team Team Colin Bell. Colin Bell actually used to be a footballer in England, but I'm joined by well, Team Colin Bell. Well, it's certainly not my name, because I'm Colin Kearney. So, <laughs> no, uh... it's, a, it's a combination, Colin and Annabelle, Colin Bell. <laughs> I thought you were just, ah, ah. like the like the Brangelina. Yeah, yeah, because it's usually... It's, it's usually Eddie Bell, and Colin Bell doesn't sound as good, but... No, I mean, Colin's not a great name to begin with anyway, so... I think... So, Annalyn? I was thinking Annalyn. Yeah. Annalyn. Annalyn's good. Annalyn's good. <laughs> so Colin Kearney and Annabelle are here with me. How are you, Colin? I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, um, a bit flushed of face because I was uh, nervously drinking some uh, some red wine that my uh, good wife Tara was drinking. Uh, just to get me through the last few minutes there, but I'm calmed down and I'm ready to I'm ready to react. I just like this image of you like I drank your milkshake with a long straw into her <laughs> wine that she was drinking. Um, it was one of those curly straws, you know, oh, perfect. coming all the way. You know? And Annabelle, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Graham. Especially after that. A bit also a bit shaky and nervy, partly because of that game and also partly because I've not been on a reaction in a while, so it's good to be back. Rusty. Well, I mean, I think this is a good one for you to come back because usually when I'm on a reaction with you, it's it's bad times. I don't know why, <laughs> but it's usually bad. not not because of your company, it's just because of what Celtic have done in the, the game before. Good. I was a bit offended for a second there, but <laughs> yeah, we're good. Yeah. Colin, you don't get many babies called Colin nowadays, do you? It's, it's well, just... why? Well, why would you? Let's face it. Have you ever noticed that essentially in um, mainstream media, you, you'll have. Idiot characters are called Colin and dogs are called Colin. Um, is this and... an awkward time to say that my dad is called Colin? N- there not, you go. Not at all. Idiot, uh... dog or dad. That is, that's the Colin <laughs> categories. It's, For it's, me, anyway. It's a bit like uh, Kevin in Germany. Kevin is one of those names that if you're called Kevin, you kind of get mocked. Because it's like... Is of... that a common name in Germany, Kevin? And I think it's more of an East German name because East Germany has like some wild names. Like Brittany, for some reason, is an East German name that you wouldn't get anywhere else. But yeah, Brittany, so, I love it. Yeah, things like that. Maybe but, I yeah. should, I'm trying Brittany Kearney out in my head. I don't think that works any better. <laughs> I know. I actually love that. By the way, Brittany Kearney. <laughs> you know and how there's some daughter's name sorted. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Brittany Kearney. <laughs> even though that's not your last name, but. I'll change it. <laughs> Uh, it's funny because you get old names like Archie. Archie used to be like a dead old-fashioned name. Now you get lots of babies called Archie. I don't My know. cousin's baby called Archie, absolutely. And I remember go. at the time thinking, is that going to be short for Archibald? And thankfully it is not. No <laughs> offence to any Archibalds listening. My dad was called Archibald. I don't know what we're going to come there is no, What's happening? No <laughs> offence to your dad then, Graham. <laughs> Nowadays it's just short for Archie Comics. That's uh, yeah. that's the full name. Comics is his middle name, yeah. To, to complete the circle, Colin, is your dad called Annabelle by any chance? <laughs> uh, just for laws, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Actually, there we go. coincidentally, good taste, your grandparents. <laughs> yeah, I, I think as the intro has shown, we're all a bit giddy. I, I think there was something uh, interesting about that match in that when it, when you know it's a cup semi final like that, where the other team has nothing to lose, the weather conditions as well, only been one 0 up. Colin, it did feel as if it was a bit of a frenetic closing stage of the match, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I feel that um, 
throughout the match, it felt like we were trying to stick to playing like pretty football in ugly circumstances. Uh, and towards the end there, it was just, um, yeah, I think being up up to high dough is probably not an exaggeration. Annabelle, how were you taking that the last 20 minutes? Yeah, not well. It, it kind of didn't really sink in up until that point after the, the goal that was ruled out where I realised we found ourselves in a tight 1-0 towards the end of the game and that's when I started to feel sick. It just, yeah, it just hadn't been in that position for a while and yeah I love the idea of it being slightly playing beautiful football in ugly circumstances by the way that's so beautiful because yeah absolutely the whole scenario was just set up against us I felt like and get I'll talk about it more later but I feel I really felt like Kilmarnock in particular played some ugly football today yeah it's tough being up against that it is, it is our way but we started off the game with a pretty similar team to what played against them last week the only change being that Juranovic came in at right back so we had Joe Hart and Goal, Bernabe and Juranovic at fullback, CCV, Starfelt, Rio, Moy and Carl McGregor in midfield, Maeda, Jota and Kyogo up front. Colin, were you just hoping for like kicking on from the, the last match? The, or were you wanting to see anything changed uh, from that lineup last week? Um I was pleased to see uh Juranovic back because I think one of the problems last week is we were really struggling to get in behind and to have like some pace. I think the right the, the right wing for us last week was a wee bit uh wasn't really firing. Um and yeah so I was really pleased to see him back in position. I think uh, AJ's been really good but I think he needs to learn the inverted role more and uh, just for that kind of attacking intent and pace I was pleased to see Juranovic. And I think um I think the fact as well, again, the fact we didn't see, I know this is running ahead, but we didn't see subs till later than usual. I think it shows that the, I think actually the team selection was pretty bang on and I think that we were knocking on the door. So I think he, I think he called it right. And Annabelle, people have been happy with Alistair Johnson, but it's it's probably a good idea to give him a bed and in period, especially when we've still got Juranovic at the club. Oh, I think so. Like he did get off to a great start, but I think, you know, ultimately I'd, he wouldn't have been playing in the derbies his first game, for example, if it wasn't for the injuries that we've had. So it's always great when players like that come in and land on their feet. And a lot of that is down to Angie's really great recruitment and um, probably a bit of luck as well, to be honest, in a fixture like that. But um, yeah, the reality is he probably wouldn't have been playing that early anyway. Juranovic ideally would still be your first choice with Ralston in there as the backup. So yeah, he's done well under strong circumstances, but I think that agreed that Juranovic was the right call today. Even after, you know, some questionable kind of performances um, as of late. I'm not going to go back and talk about that. But yeah, I thought I thought he did well today. So I'm, I'm happy that he came in and, and, you know, kind of lived up to his reputation instead of further lowering his value in the transfer market. Yeah, there was, I saw some things on Twitter basically questioning his, his effort, his mentality, Colin. Um, I, I don't think you saw that tonight, did you? It looked as if he was well up for that match. No, and I think I think it's kind of he was coming off the back of quite an intense World Cup campaign. He was thrown in uh, left back in sort of less than ideal circumstances, and um, I think yeah, today he seemed to be looking. He had a point to prove. He seemed he seemed like he'd been rested enough. He seemed like he was back on it. He had the pace, um, and I think 
I, do, I, I think the the fact is like quite early on in the game, I think we saw there was a, the theme was that they were not going to be going down our right, you know, like our, our right wing, they were going to be just attacking Burnaby like constantly. So I don't think Juranovic had a lot to do defensively, uh, particularly. So uh, it's hard to judge if he had like an amazing game, but I think he uh, he did help with our attacking threat today. It's it's bizarre, Annabelle, when you get a, a a situation like this with a player. Juranovic has not made any quotes about wanting to leave. He's not said anything. He's been linked with other teams in the newspaper, and that seems to have turned quite a large percentage of the support against him. It's it's a kind of weird situation when that happens when he has not made any kind of like overtures to want to leave or to go to a bigger league or whatever it is. But I think people try and. People become like body language experts in football and it's really weird. It's true. And I think as well, it kind of shows the the sway that the Scottish media has over sort of fan opinion, which I hate because we should all know not to trust the mainstream media at this point. But you're right. None of this, none of this has come from Juranovic. You know, it's not his fault clubs are interested in him. It's not his fault he had a good World Cup. Well, I mean, no, that is his fault. But it's not, you know, his <laughs> fault that he's being linked with so many clubs and whatnot. It's not like he's coming out and saying, I'm desperate to leave Celtic or shite. None of that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. And I think we're, we're all guilty of that at times. I think I particularly have been guilty of it recently because that's a really good point. You know, maybe a week's rest between games was what Juranovic really needed right now. Because I found myself, you know, shocked when he came back finally after the World Cup. And, you know, he did that wee video kind of talking about the campaign and kind of what his hopes are, you know, following the campaign at Celtic now. Um, so there's nothing to indicate that he's got that mentality coming from his side of the story. So it's really interesting. And, and and I agree, he did seem well up for the game tonight. And I think it's kind of hard to doubt his, his loyalty after after that particular performance. And as you said, Colin, one of the... It starts from... I've, I, my first note is 20 seconds. And then I'll get two minutes and 20 seconds. And both of these notes involve Burnaby. And it was a really rough start for him. And I don't think he improved throughout the match. He seemed to he seemed to be really struggling. I tweeted about it felt like a Sadi Yanko in Israel moment for Burnaby. It was just... I don't know if the, the early stumbles kind of got into his head and he just started to kind of almost fall apart a little bit. He was misplacing passes. He was in cotton possession. He was just... Having a bit of a nightmare overall. I mean, is it the weather? Is he not used to monsoon season in <laughs> in Scotland? Well, I think I think he was really being targeted, and I think we shouldn't. Um, because uh, it, it, I mean, my notes are the same. There's a lot of kind of you know he does get roasted a lot, but he was he was being targeted not just um, by attacking down against them. He was also getting fouled off the ball a lot. They were obviously kind of highlighted him as a potential weak link and not just because of his football ability but also because of his temperament um, and I think he held it together quite well in temperament wise because he was really getting knocked about the park um, he did play some good some good forward balls um, he, did, he made some incisive passing but he gave the ball away, away a lot um, he looks like he's struggling to find his feet and um, but I, st- I, I don't want to chuck him in like I think with reactions, it's always kind of you're because you're coming out of it quite hot and heavy, uh, and you're willing to chuck people onto the pyre. But um, I'm I, I'm interested to see how he progresses outside of such a absolute hideous kind of cauldron of uh, shite weather and shite football that was coming at him, and uh, he's not showing a lot to make you think it's going to be brilliant. But um, I still think he deserves a bit of time. 
Yeah, he's young. Um, one of the things I do love about him is that he always seems to have his extended family visiting from uh, Argentina. Every day on Instagram, it's just a different selection of people he's showing you around Glasgow, and uh, I love it. It's just he, he must uh, be the most popular person in Argentina, just handing out these plane tickets to everyone. Um, we also in that first stage we have a, another kind of like um, sketchy moment where there's a poor Starfelt pass out, and. Uh, Starfelt comes comes under criticism as well, but one of the things that I noticed was the way that they were they were set up. They had this kind of two strikers where one would sit and try and mark Callum McGregor, and the other one would press the two defenders. And a lot of times, Starfelt was getting kind of sketchy passes from either CCB or from Hart when he was under pressure, and I think that maybe was uh, one of the reasons why he was getting caught on the ball and stuff. He just didn't seem to have many options when he received it. But their their system, Annabelle, of of having one marking McGregor and one marking or one press in the centre backs meant that for the in the first half in particular, it, our two centre backs were getting the freedom of Hamden to basically waltz up to the eighteen yard box of the other team. What, what did you make? It didn't seem as effective as the way they set up at Celtic Park. Yeah, I, I did notice that, especially after Starfelt kind of had that dodgy pass, I think it was like five minutes in. I feel like not long after that, he was up practically in the box trying to score, like not from a set piece. And CCV as well had a few runs. He had obviously at one point that mad long distance shot. So yeah, they did have quite a lot of free reign, which is great. But yeah, I feel like we could have taken a bit more advantage of that. Um Especially, I really wanted that CCB shot to be an absolute monstrous shot into the back of the net, like we know that he can do, because he really wound up for it, and I was so disappointed that it was such a bad shot. Um, but yeah, it was it was a weird setup. To be honest, I think their whole setup today was a bit weird, if not slightly better than the absolute dross we had to watch last week. But yeah, um, I feel like we could have taken a bit more advantage of that. But I did like to see Sarfelt kind of getting up into the box kind of replicating some of those old style Ayer runs up there and I kind of felt like he was hungry for a goal today. I felt bad for him. Um I wanted him to score. Hmm. What what do you think was more embarrassing, Colin? Um Kyle Lafty's mullet back in the day or Kyle Lafty trying to lob Joe Hart and putting that into almost lobbing the stand? Let's go for the most recent example, shall we? Uh yeah, I mean just oh you know what? He plays he plays out of the box a lot and you can catch him out if you can open it. Aye, only if you're skillful enough to get it like anywhere near the goal. And uh, I was like, you know that way when sometimes somebody's winding up for a shot and you're just like, go on, just have a go. You're never going to hit it. And uh, yeah, it was like that. So yeah, he had a shocker and he got hooked and that was great, wasn't it? Fantastic, aye. I mean, I would, I would have liked, to have to, liked him to have got hooked while, he was, while the game was still going so we could have booed him <laughs> off. But, uh, he, get, he got to slink away in the dressing room. Yeah, he, did, he, he didn't have enough of the ball to get booed on the ball. That was that was that was yeah. that was a pity. And also, um, I think it's probably one of the only times that I've been annoyed that it wasn't an own goal and the player got chalked to one of our players. But like, again, getting ahead of myself. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it, it's great to to watch him try and play football. Um, I he was thinks what... he thinks he's a footballer. There was a. <laughs> I watched, my mum was over and we were watching This Farming Life, I think it's called, uh, the British TV show. And like a, like a baby horse, a foal was born and it was trying to stand up and walk about. And it just reminded me of Kyle Lafter, it's just all legs <laughs> and not any composure whatsoever. So, But we we start to kind of take control of the game. Kamarnock had that first five or six minutes, Celtic start to kind of... Uh, 
take the game by the scruff of the neck. We had this a great run by Juranovic down the right hand side, low cross into the box, no one there. Kyogo looked as if he was in two minds about whether to go front post or back post and ended up doing neither. And then there was about 30, 40 seconds later, there was a great little touch from Rio that put through it put Maeda through and we won the corner from it. So we're starting to turn the screw. What were you thinking at this time, Annabelle? Were you were you nervous about the, the way we were playing or was was were you starting to settle in a wee bit? Um I was I wasn't nervous about the way we were playing. I was getting more annoyed at the way Kilmarnock were playing. Because I, I, I agree, in my head, we kind of did start to set, settle down after the first sort of 10, 15 minutes where they were being really sort of aggressive. And we kind of, you know, they had a few opportunities, apparently 20 seconds in, which I missed due to technical difficulties. But I was getting more annoyed at Kilmarnock because it became clear that, I mean, obviously we know what their aim was, which was to apparently, you know, get in our faces and be really aggressive. But I hate that, that translates in Scotland to just commit loads of fouls, just fill them as much as you can. And we'll probably get away with like more than half of them because that is what they did. And like, for example, you know, we were talking about Burnaby. I think, yeah, he absolutely was targeted, but not just for like, not in terms of playing football really well against him, but for being filled as well. He had that horrific foul, like you said, uh, Colin, off off the ball um, at one point and looked to me to be a foul and then he was fouled sort of in our own box aggressively and there's there's you know no free kick and things like that so they were just getting very aggressive there was lots and lots of holding and to be fair we did get a goal out of one instance of this so I can't complain I know we're going to talk about that also getting ahead of myself but yeah I was I was confident in our ability we we got off to a good start um overall how we have a good lineup so I wasn't really worried I was just getting more and more annoyed at Kilmarnock so I know I didn't want them to park the bus again but can they not just try and play actual football yeah I mean I think there was a quote from Ange a while back about saying it doesn't really matter what your budget is you can you can try and field the team to play football and he's done it obviously I think he did it with Melbourne playing against uh, English teams and stuff like that so it is doable but I guess when your manager's Derek McInnes, you're asking for a bit too much. I, I do have to, I mean, Bernabe, Colin, you mentioned it as well, was on the getting treatment from the commander players. And we know he had the reputation, I think it was his last game for his previous club where he nutted uh, uh, someone. You can't say nutted anymore. The, the, the modern <laughs> definition of nutting is just taking that away from us. So he put the head and can you say put the head? I don't know. I'm moving on. It's just as bad. <laughs> <laughs> he head butted. There we go. I've got one. Glasgow kiss. <laughs> so 17th minute, 17.49 exactly. We get a goal. Colin, talk us through it. Yeah, so the run up to this, I think that um, Jota was beginning to sort of lighten up you know, like he was, he was, he was looking bright, and he was trying to play some nice, some nice football. Um, and then there was some, again, horrendous fouling. Uh, I think we just seen the the Burnaby challenge, which I think it should be yellow, but it was in our box and it was just waved over. Uh, then Mackenzie fouled uh, Juranovic, and we got a free kick from that, and so it was about twenty five yards out. Um, Moy, who I think had a cracking game, he swings it in. Back post, um, Lafferty. Uh, I'm just going to quote verbatim from the notes here. Lafferty fucks clearance and it bounces off me identical. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think Dyson really intended for his to chest it into the goal, but he was in the right place at the right time. And that's what you need from a striker. And, uh, yeah, Lafferty absolutely sclaffed it and Maida put it in and had a slightly embarrassed goal celebration. And after a 
fucking inevitable VAR handball check, it was deemed a goal. Annabelle, did did it add to it the fact that not only did Lafferty cause this, it wasn't a, it wasn't on goal, but he caused it, and it could say it's just a bit of bad luck on Lafferty's part. But surely you need to have awareness to know that if you're going to swing and volley it out, there's not someone standing behind you. I mean, surely that's like one oh one. You'd look around you before the ball gets played in. Well, that's the art of Dyson Maeda being the little ghost that he is and just kind of slipping into those spaces before players even know that he's there. I wish I hadn't said slipping it in. This is becoming a really dodgy podcast. Wow. But Saturday know, night podcast, what can you do? <laughs> We're all just too excited to be in the in the cup final. Clearly. Cynic after dark. <laughs> Jeez, oh, um, but I almost said Jeezy Peeps. I'm so sorry. I can't get away from that stupid <laughs> phrase. Anyway. Um, what does it even mean? Like. <laughs> it was just a bit of commentary, and now it's infected the mind of everyone on football Twitter, including, uh, yeah, it's just, I can't get away from it, is all I'm saying. It currently is my phone background. I'm being, like, pranked relentlessly. Nice. Um, but, yeah, no, that that's Dyson made all over. I, there's a couple of instances today where you saw that he just pops up in the box. I think, actually, for his, again, I know we're going to talk about it, but for his second goal that was not to be, um, the Kilmartin player had no idea he was even there behind him. He just, he's so quick and... I guess silent. Maybe it's the aerodynamicness from his bald head, but he's just kind of no one seems to know he's there until it's too late. And I know exactly, um, I feel the same way as you call it. I'm actually for once disappointed that that can't be an own goal, but I'm choosing to believe that it's an own goal because someone up there is just utilizing karma to like the perfect degree. 10 game ban for sectarianist remarks. For sectarianist? Sectarian remarks. First game back against Celtic FC practically scores an own goal you can write it it's beautiful stuff it's it's delightful football so thank you cosmos for that and i'm actually glad that um i don't know if you heard the commentary at the start that they actually mentioned why he had a 10 game ban so that yes. was that was good to hear i was genuinely surprised which tells you all you need to know that they yeah. it. so we, we go one up we are looking comfortable but a couple of minutes later, uh, Kelly had quite a good chance with a free header and uh, Joe Hart does a, a weird kind of slap palm with his other hand. I don't know, it was weird to put it by for a corner. Uh, but we're starting to play good football, lots of good give and goes, Colin. It's just, it's neat. There's, there's lots of little small instances where we're in a kind of tight space, but we're working it out really quickly in the middle of the park. It's just when it comes to the thing with thirds, it's like the the pass is maybe like a foot too long or a foot too short. And it's just the momentum's breaking down. I think the conditions would have been something to do with it as well. I think we quite often see this. We kind of, cal- where um, the team is kind of calibrating in the first 10 minutes. And that's sometimes when you can see a bit of chaotic play. And then they kind of find like where the ball's going. It's almost like, yeah, just sort of how the conditions are. But today, I think the conditions were so wild. Uh, I was actually pretty impressed that we managed to do so many kind of like one-touch passes. And I mean, I haven't seen any kind of stats about the completion rate, but I mean, there was, I think early on, we were giving away a bit of possession, but uh, I feel that we were clicking a bit more. And um, I also felt that basically, Aaron Moy was doing a really, really good job of like, um, of keeping the ball and holding it up and being really strong and because they were trying to make the midfield a bit of a quagmire um, and they were pressing a little bit higher than they were last week, for example. Um, and I think Mikey did really, really well. And he sort of was, he was sort of feeding uh, both Juranovic and uh, Jota who who were kind of causing issues. So um, yeah, I was beginning to sort of feel quite confident at this point that we were going to go and romp it and uh, score several more. 
I was quite critical of uh, Aaron Moy after the last game against Commander because I just felt it was a bit too slow in possession and stuff. But Annabelle, today it seemed to be that Kilmarnock just weren't as defensive and, and thus we, we just had a lot more space on the ball and that's that's exactly what you want when Aaron Moy's in the team, space on the ball because then he can make things happen. Absolutely. Although to be fair, I do think he does well when he has not a lot of space on the ball. I actually think he's becoming a really, really good technical player, which I didn't see coming. I mean, probably if I paid more attention at the time, but I just remember thinking he's too slow and rubbish. But, you know, when you haven't played football for as long as he hadn't, you know, you're bound to be rusty like me on this podcast. But I feel like he's really kind of settling in like Maida, just post-World Cup. It's it's looking really good on him and we're seeing some really nice footwork from him. But yeah, definitely more space today was helpful. Um, I think, you know, they learned last week that sitting in really tight and high doesn't really do anything. We're still going to score anyway. And the last game could have finished like five or six nil the way we were playing. So it's clearly thought, right, cup game, nothing to lose, come out, be aggressive. So it did give us a bit more room, but then I'd like, like we were saying, I do think that was then hampered by the wild conditions, you know, the wind and the rain. So I think we saw most success with those really tight, short passes and that we were doing kind of towards uh, towards the box, some really, really nice interplay um, with those short passes, some really nice stuff. At this stage, we see on the sidelines that Ange has gone full Kenny from South Park. He, he has he has a hood all the way up and his kind of mouth is covered. Um, Colin, do we draw the line at an umbrella? What do, what do you think about that? Because Ange is going, he, he seems to be like fully covering himself now and it's just a bit too much for me. Well, the man <laughs> is from Australia. I mean, let's give him a pass. He's He's... <laughs> he's allowed to bundle up an umbrella. I do draw on the line because I have personal a personal dislike for umbrellas, but that's a whole different kettle of Whoa. games. Oh, they're you a very live anti- in Scotland, right? A very antisocial device, Annabelle. They really are, um, especially those big golf umbrellas, which with the the sharpened points, which are designed to go into people's eyes. Uh, <laughs> Double as a weapon, it's handy. <laughs> Why are so many left behind in pubs? Because they're just terrible. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think that. There was um Ange, Ange can wear what you like. He can wear what you like. What about McInnes those... was wearing that this kind of like thinks he's, you know, looking smart and he was like looked like a wee drowned rat and he's fucking <laughs> fashionable and practical coat. So I'm all for Ange's practicality. <laughs> Annabelle, what about one of those blankets that have sleeves? Can can we see? A, a snoot? A sn- is that, is that a, sli- called a, sn- a slanket? 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 <laughs> no, I think that would not work because you just don't get waterproof ones of those, Graham. They are meant to be an on the couch, working from home piece of attire for the for the very cosy home worker. Mm-hmm. Um, and just just in his penguin era and really enjoying it. And I fully <laughs> approve of this because I have a similar coat, one that goes down to like the mid shin, right up with the hoods. Like I call it my duvet coat. Um, mm featured on one of the players lounge episodes which was photographed um so yeah very pro penguin Ange, love it it's horrible here he is from australia as well he's just he's not built for this bless him so no i fully support penguin Ange. yeah cover yourself up i think i'm going to go on dragon's den with a waterproof blanket idea and just see i'm pro i would invest so it exists it's called a poncho (laughs) <laughs> Slank it's longer. A long poncho. A long poncho. Show. <laughs> I think we're sidetracked here. Yeah. 
One of the things that was uh, sidetracked was the long balls in the crossing because the wind was just taking it out of the park. It was insane. And uh, that's how the, the, the first half basically ended with a kind of hopeful crossing just going into the stand because the wind was catching it. And then we have a, a kind of sloppy Burnaby moment in the 48th minute, I've got just at the last minute of injury time, giving command like a corner, but it comes to nothing. So we go into half time, Colin, 1 0 up, playing pretty comfortably. But as we mentioned at the start, it's a cup semi-final. Come on, like are going to throw everything at it. I think it was mentioned by um, Michael Stewart and and Co-Coms. It doesn't matter if they get beat five 0 or or one uh, 0 they, They're going to have to go for go for it. So, what were you feeling at halftime? Uh, halftime, <clears throat> I was. I felt that their kind of game plan was to harass Burnaby, win free kicks, hope that the honking conditions contrive to make a freak goal. Um, I think that actually Joe Hart deserves a wee bit of uh, a bit of praise because um, I think like people are beginning to sort of say, oh, he did a good job last season, but maybe it's time to move on. He kept us in it with two pretty good saves um, and we didn't have a lot of clear-cut chances and they had a couple of shots on goal. So I think we, we, shouldn't, um, we shouldn't sort of forget that. Um, and I feel that their game plan, they were trying to push us out wide and they were swarming Callum and they were swarming Rio and they were trying to keep our creativity at bay, worked pretty well. So um, I was, yeah, I was frustrated with their, their play, but I mean, fair play, that's that's what they were coming out to do and they were doing it. But I feel that uh, Donnelly should definitely be in a yellow card, at least because he was fouling away, uh, he was with impunity. Um, and I, th- I thought that I'm going to get to Willie Collum in the second half. Uh, so I'll, I'll keep my powder dry. Is uh, your welcome column thing about how many times you've tried to touch the ball, perhaps? <laughs> perhaps so. <laughs> <laughs> and Annabelle, how are you feeling at halftime? Yeah, kind of the same. I wasn't worried. Like I said, I didn't really get worried until it got to that sort of 70-minute stage of the game. So I was, yeah, annoyed at Kilmarnock, but thinking it's fine, we're going to score more goals if we're starting to settle into it. Um, and then you learned that apparently the wind was behind Kilmorna going into the second half. And I was like, oh, no. Um, but no, I, I felt that um, we have some really nice sort of um, interplay in the midfield going on. I was really into the sort of Moy and Rio Hitate connection. Um, they both can, can do some really silky passing. So I was loving that. And I thought Maeda was having a great game today. Um, so I just I wasn't worried. I felt calm. I felt it's coming. They're going to keep attacking us. They're going to keep winding us up. But, you know, we never kind of fall victim to that, um, especially like. Burnaby, you could say, like, how long is it before he heads but headbutts Achilles player at this rate? Because they're clearly trying nuts. to wind him up. But <laughs> how long before he nuts the Kilmarnock player? Um, but no, I thought I just I wasn't worried. I thought we're gonna keep doing our thing regardless. We're really good at that. And so yeah, not panicked yet. Just to, to say on the, the conditions as well, Joe, uh, we Joe, one of the, the subscribers sent a, a picture from Hamden. I think it was two or three minutes before kickoff, and the queues were still massive. So again, Hamden is just a riot when it comes to letting people in. Apparently, everyone was getting patted down as well. So people, a lot of people would have missed the start of the game standing in horrendous weather. So again, Hamden, an absolute dump of a stadium. But we don't need to wait too long for the next goal in the match. It's just unfortunate because it gets uh, flagged for offside. I'd, Colin, watching this goal back, I couldn't tell you if it was going to be offside or not. From VAR because I I don't know I don't think I understand the offside rule anymore. This is the one that gets kicked in one direction, and when it gets kicked in that direction, Hitati standing in an offside position, it hits a commander player, and then goes through to Hitati. 
traditionally I would have said, yeah, that's offside. But then there was became like a grey area where if you're not in the first phase of play or whatever, blah blah blah. What did did you think there was going to be a goal or not when when the VAR decision came up? Of course, I didn't think it was going to be a goal. But <laughs> um, but the thing is, we've seen a couple of examples of this. Uh, I think there was a Salah goal that was ruled onside. Um, like last week, where basically he's in an offside position, the defender goes to clear it, makes a hash it, he takes the ball down and buries it, and it was ruled onside. And there's been a bit of, but I think there's been some chat about it in the media, but it's more about like the rule rather than the the ruling. And then we did we not like have a a bad goal? That, yeah, was that ruled off? That was ruled off. Uh. Yeah. So I think like if we're gonna say. We're, we want consistency. There's definitely consistency uh, because that bad goal was ruled off. This was ruled off. Um, uh, so I didn't really think for... I didn't I didn't write goal in caps in my notes, so I didn't think it was going to go through. That that Abada one, so a friend, a friend of us, I think, who works in the EPL, he was watching the game at the time when Abada scored, and he has a group chat with like employees of an EPL club. And 50% of them said it was offside and 50% of them said it was onside. And this is people that are going to referee meetings for this kind of stuff and they still don't know what the offside decision is. Annabelle, what did you make of it? Yeah, I've the same, my notes, because normally when we score, it's like all oh, capital letters, exclamation points, because I like to make it easy to find our goals in my notes. Um, and I was <laughs> the same, I just kind of wrote real goal, pause, is offside, <laughs> despite coming off a killer player last. So, I mean, I... I don't understand the offside rule at all anymore either. To be fair, my understanding of it was probably already looser, but ever since far has been introduced, it's just getting cloudier and cloudier. You know, the system that's put in place is designed to clarify the rules and it's just making it infinitely worse for like, not even just a layman to understand, but apparently even for officials to understand the rules anymore. It's so unclear. Um, Kind of a talking point I've heard is to do with intent of the last player to touch the ball. So for example, going back to that Salah goal, the intent of the opposition player was to clear the ball and for it to then fall to Salah. Whereas tonight, looking at the the ball coming off the Killy player, it didn't look like he intended to touch the ball. It was more of a deflection. Therefore, you can say the intent's not there for it to drop to Hitati. It's not like it's an accidental pass or a really bad clearance. It's just a deflection. So he didn't intend to touch it. That's a point I've heard that could be made for why it's technically offside. But mm. something tells me I don't think that was the discussion in the bar room, to be honest. I think the discussion is more, eh, let's just say it's offside. If only they were using intent to touch the ball for the many handballs that went against Celtic when VAR exactly. got introduced. There's no consistency in how that's applied. So. I, I love how the SFA have clearly decided to stop giving those handballs, but didn't tell anyone after. But that's another thing altogether. It, <laughs> So the game's starting to open up, 55th minute I've written that, the game's opening up, it's kind of stretching going from end to end, Kamalnik obviously coming out a little bit, trying to get back into the game and at this stage we get another goal and it was an absolutely beautiful piece of football from Celtic uh, one of the best little flick through passes from Kyogo I've seen uh, and Dyson just buries it in the top corner and everyone goes and celebrates and it's fantastic. And then about three or four minutes later, it's dropped off for offside because VAR is the slowest thing in the world in Scotland for some reason. This, for me, is exactly why I hate VAR. I, I don't I don't care that it's, it's technically the right decision because Kyogo, who was standing with his back to goal and not even going in the direction of goal, had his heel offside by about two or three inches. I don't that for me that that makes VAR an enemy of football as far as I'm concerned. 
Kyogo was not standing in an offside position to get some kind of advantage. His heel just happened to be standing a bit further back from himself. I don't care. See if that was if someone scores that against us and there he was offside. Honestly, I wouldn't want it chopped off. I probably would in the situation, but in, for the sake of this argument, I, it's horrible. It's microscopic decisions being made that wouldn't have been caught by the the the, the linesman's eye or the, the ref's eye. It's just it's horrible and it's an enemy of football. And I would like to know it'd be good to go back and through all the classic goals that have been scored in the history of football and just see how many of these beautiful goals would have been. Uh, taken, um, uh, kind of taken away from the players because of some kind of microscopic VAR decision that would have went the other way. It's, uh, Colin, what did you make of it? Yeah, I think there should be, like, if something is aesthetically pleasing as that, it should be like a, a have a clapometer, and instead of just going to VAR, <laughs> just get a clapometer going. And um, I, yeah, it was so nice, and I've got a little A plus plus for that flick. And um, yeah. I think that VAR could be something that's useful when it comes to like dangerous play and things that are kind of, because people can be fly and we've seen that a lot tonight, but it doesn't seem to help with that side of the game. It just makes it absolutely fucking boring Mm -hmm. because we score this beautiful goal. You get the, the check stops the celebration. And that's happened a couple of times with Atati recently. Uh, Was that a game recently where he sort of scored well, it looked like a perfectly good goal, and it was, but he had to stop his celebration because it was like, no, 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 like it's off to VAR, and it just like it kills it in the stadium, it kills the, it kills the atmosphere, um, and yeah, I don't know, yeah, just like give it a pass because it's a beautiful goal. There was, um, I think it was a football ramble. There was a goal that I, a chance that happened in Liga in in France, and uh, I think a player looked basically marched around the whole opposition team and then finished it. But then a, a, like a fullback came in at the last minute and slid it off the line. And they, they kind of nicknamed him the enemy of football. He should have just let it go in because it was such an aesthetically pleasing goal. Uh, but that that point, Colin, you made there. And so I I go to Burning Man when, when I when I get a chance. And one of the principles of Burning Man, they've got 10 principles, and one of the principles is, is immediacy, essentially living in the moment. And Annabelle... Vartus is it's it's taking the immediacy out of the life of football fans because they they, they can't fully invest themselves in the moment because they think they're waiting for the other, the other shoot drop. Exactly, and it's so disappointing as well to see the players celebrating for for me to be jumping off the couch and screaming and being all happy, and then like you say, somehow three or four minutes later, it's all ruined. It really does take the magic out of it, and I'm so glad to hear you say exactly what I've been thinking this whole time. You know, with how is Kyogo meant to know that his heel is two inches offside? I want someone to explain to me as a player how he's meant to know that. It's so unfair. And I was saying, like, it shouldn't, when it's that close, it shouldn't be allowed. But then the person I was watching the game with makes the point of where do you draw the line? And I'm like, I don't think you do draw the line. I just think you shouldn't have VAR when it's that close. If the officials can't spot it with their eyes, then the problem is we need to have better officials. And that's still a problem in Scotland. VAR has not fixed it. Why can't we just have full-time referees who go to regular courses, who are not biased and have to declare which team they support? And if they're pictured in an opposition team's top, maybe shouldn't referee games for that team's enemies. I don't know. So many things to talk about here, but I do think it ruins the magic to have all the celebrations, to have the goal chopped off afterwards. I just... It's killing it for me, and I'm very much a stickler for rules and things, so I would have been pro-VAR back in the day, but I think I'm at the point now where I'm like, 
for it to ruin a beautiful goal like that for the sake of two inches, it's not worth it. I really think they should just patch it. And I think a lot of people from other leagues would agree. I know people who watch the EPL are probably in the same boat at this point. So, yeah, it's rotten. It ruins it. And the fact that it takes so long in this country as well makes it 10 times worse. Mm-hmm. So... The game marches on. About the 66th minute, Kelly have a really big chance, actually. Vasu's shot is deflected to the back post and Armstrong comes in and um, I think most of the Kermarnock fans thought it was in, Colin. Did you did your heart skip a beat at this second? Yeah, a wee bit. And also, uh, having said that Juranovic didn't get shown up defensively because nothing much happened, he was sold such a dummy uh, in the build-up to this, that he, you know, he looked he looked a bit silly, um, and yeah, the side the side net's always fun for a certain part of the stadium, right? Because <laughs> it's just like half of the people on that side will think it's in, uh, yeah. So and then you get to go away. <laughs> then you, yeah. So I always kind of the best indicator is Joe Hart um, when I can't tell an angle because he's got this little kind of he does this little waddle run to get the ball when he's going to take a bye kick he goes and I'm just like oh it can be in that's good he's in the waddle run maybe maybe the penguin thing you were talking about with Ange you know maybe penguins are more important to Celtic than we thought I hope to I hope he does this the sound effect as well at the same time that would be be great So the, the usual 60-minute triple sub doesn't happen to the 73rd minute uh, this match. Hitati, Jota and Kyogo all go off. Gigi, Matt O'Reilly and Abada come on. And um, about a minute later, Hart's forced into another reaction save. So again, we're, we're it's, it's, it is a bit, it is getting a wee bit uh, sketchy, a wee bit nervous. And you can hear that in the stadium as well. There's a, wee bit, a few groans and stuff. In the 80th minute, I've written down here, gym bag on for Forrest. So uh, I don't, don't know what I was thinking at this time. A gym bag divided, cannot stand. Is that his um, like alternate persona, gym bag? Yeah, gym bag on Forrest. So it was, it was Maeda, wasn't it? It was gym bag on yeah. for Maeda. Yeah. yeah. We have a good turn and shot from Moy that gets saved at the bottom corner, goes by for a corner, and that was the, about the second minute. And then... Another nice moment of the game where uh, Jordan Jones comes on in the eighty seventh minute, and uh, I, I love seeing I love seeing Jordan Jones. I love being reminded of the fact that he injured himself for months and got sent off tackling Moritz Bayer, like the worst possible player to do that to. You know, like if you if you're getting injured for that length of time and get a red card, you wanted to be on like Henry Larson or something like that, but Moritz Bayer. But there you go. It's the only thing I remember about him for that and the <laughs> Inspector Gadget costume, nothing else. I, the, one of the things I remember him for was that I saw him at Glasgow Airport and he was dressed head to toe in khaki. So, was... How did you see him? <laughs> yeah, was... <laughs> Thankfully, he moved up towards like, a, a different colour and I was able to see him. <laughs> so final sub of the match is DT14 on for AM13. I don't know why I chose to do the subs in, in that fashion at that time. I always write DT14. I'm glad it just flows, doesn't it? Yeah. AM13, not so much, but DT14 does. <laughs> And then we see the the two sides of Giacomacus. In the 93rd minute, we have a squeaky bum moment where he looks as if he's wanting to climb a commander player. I don't mean climb as the way that Frankie wanted to climb Christopher Ayer. I mean, like, actually step up on top of him and you think it's going to be a penalty kick. Thankfully, I don't know why that didn't even go to VAR, but that was nice for us. And then he gets his first goal in 10 games. And uh, is it his last goal, Annabelle? What do you think? God, I hope not. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm delighted for him. You can see pretty much every time he's come on, you can see the frustration um, that things haven't really been working out for him. He's never really getting the proper run of games that he was afforded when Kyogo was injured last season. Um, but no, I, I'm delighted for him. You could see how much it meant to him. I think even if he is about to move on, in which, you know, fair play to him. I know there's been plenty of discussion around that, so we all can understand. But you could see the relief just for him, even though know, if he is about to move on, at least, you know, he's kind of reminded people, no, I'm still, I'm still good. I can still score, especially these classic last minute goals, an absolute favourite of his. Um, and a top soft celebration, an absolute favourite of mine, I have to say. Um, no offence to his girlfriend, we all know she hates <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was a great bit of belief from Forrest as well, after his absolutely shocking show a couple of games ago. Um, great ball out to Turnbull. Um great shot from Turnbull I thought I mean fairly easy one for the keeper though but it was a good shot I kind of thought he would score it but then there he is just doing his classic thing of just being waiting right there somehow unmarked right in the centre of the box right in front of goal um keeper kind of can't hold it at all and yeah he's there to fire it in it was just a very very typical GG goal so if that is his last I think it's a great one rather than it being sort of one of those weird messy finishes finishes where he just slides in and it comes off a miscellaneous body part it was a great last goal if it was his last goal but I hope it's not because I love him. And Colin, we are now into, as I said, the 36th 36 League Cup final. What are your what are your hopes? What are your aspirations? Who do you want in the final? Well, um, obviously we want to see them lose. And we play, is it Aberdeen that are playing? Aberdeen, no. Yeah, so. Unfortunately. Uh, Oh, come on, they'll do the business. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, so hopefully they get scudded by Aberdeen in some freak game and uh, we go and force Aberdeen and lift the, lift the trophy. Uh, that's that's my hopes and dreams. But if it does go to the inevitable when we have to play them, uh, I'm kind of looking forward to making uh, Beal cry. Uh, he's, he's already crying. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I'm so... I, I can't... I mean, obviously they're all fairly vexatious but I have I am sick of his shit already I am the thing so is Colin we're just lucky have you ever considered that we're just very yeah, lucky we and we have lucky. a lot we're, of money as rich as, as Richie Riches going back to Archie Comics um yeah so yeah, hopefully basically I don't care who we meet we're going to beat them we're going to lift the cup it's our cup and uh yeah let it let it roll on to that I love that you I'll be in Australia when the the finals on as well, so that'll be quite fun to if we if we win the final in in, in Perth, Western Australia, so, uh, at some some uh, Celtic Sports Club there. Awesome. Looking forward to that. You'll need to gauge the Ange enthusiasm where you're over there. Oh yeah, right enough. Yeah. yeah, right enough. I'm sure he's. I'm sure it's uh, it's it's not been manufactured. I'm sure they all love him. You'll have oh. to thank every Australia's every Australian for gifting us him as well. Remember, <laughs> and every Greek person. Yeah. Cover your you need to go to Greece after, yeah, make sure yeah. you catch them all. <laughs> I, I love I love the idea that you're lucky because you operate as a business selling assets and then buying <laughs> other assets. I mean Rangers, you could maybe try it, you know, instead of keeping players to the run out their contracts. And uh, I don't know. But I'm looking forward to seeing a, a solo tear run down Michael Beale's face and then stop on his mole on the side of his <laughs> cheek. Uh, that that would be absolutely ideal. But for once, Annabelle. We are not the team playing second at Hamden. Uh, we have cut that pitch up nice and proper. And apparently it's going to freeze overnight in Glasgow as well. So this is perfect conditions for Jim Col- Jim Goodwin to do like a, a backs to the wall, go and off of somebody's arse and put Rangers out. 
I don't know, though, the state of Ibrox sometimes, it could end up being perfect conditions for them. So sure, yeah. we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, delighted to go first um, for a change. And as, as always, always, Jesus, as always, putting the pressure on them. You know, I like I like that. You know, there's no there's no pressure on us thinking, oh, we need to get through the final. We can't go out at this point. You know, all the pressure's on them and we know how little they thrive under pressure. So, um, yeah, so excited to hopefully lift the cup again and kind of to relive, you know, Angie's first ever trophy with us. We have nutted Kamarnik. We have slipped in to the League Cup final. Colin, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. That was, uh, yeah, feel super posy now. So thanks for that, guys. And Annabelle, will you get any plans for the rest of your Saturday night? Um, no, actually. Um, I'll probably just go back to watching Infinite The Quarry Let's Plays because it's the most recent game I played. And yeah, just going to be super happy and not have to be depressed. And Let's see what happens tomorrow. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> I've been your host, Graham McKay, and we will catch you down the road. Yeah.